This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast for February 5th, 2018. Since the New Yorker magazine broke the story on Harvey Weinstein, as well as a flood of allegations against other men, sometimes serious, sometimes less so, there's also been a narrative that some allegations are going too far and that normal behaviour between the sexes is becoming taboo. In this podcast, I talk about this to a prominent writer on the subject. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, what matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. If you're looking for a political podcast made by normal people that isn't partisan garbage, check out WikiLeaks on Lead. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher or SoundCloud or anywhere else where you listen to podcasts. Explicit content, mostly due to swearing. WikiLeaks on Weed. Liz Posner is the managing editor at Alternet. She's also written for many other publications. And one of the things she's been writing about is the Me Too movement opposing sexual harassment and, and other perceived ills. Um, Liz, how do you see this developing? Where do you see it coming from throughout 2018? Well, uh, it's a good question, William. I think the boiling point for many, many women, especially in the US, was the election of Donald Trump. I think that something about having a known widespread sexual predator, you know, as our world leader um, is so repulsive on such a fundamental level to so many women. Mm-hmm. Um, not ignoring, of course, the fact that I believe it's 53% of white women voted for Trump. He certainly captured a lot of, of women's votes. But um, for those of us on the on the left, for those of us, you know, fighting these progressive fights, um, it's just so abhorrent to have someone like that represent us on the world stage. So I think that sparked anger for many. Um, certainly that video where, where Trump claimed to have um, wanted to grab women by the pussy and to be boasting about his own predatorial past. Um, this is the, this is the Access hard. Hollywood, the Access Hollywood video. Yes, yeah, with Billy Bush, that that famous moment in history. <laughs> and one thing, one thing about that, Liz, that clearly was a startling tape that uh, even a lot of the people who supported Trump quite so strongly initially seemed to be uh, disowning him on that. And then perhaps when they saw the wind was the way the wind was blowing, they rolled back on that a little bit. But it really didn't seem to do Trump very much harm. And with other right. people in the media on significantly, you know, less troubling allegations and with no admission from them, they seem to have suffered way more in career terms. Why does it hurt other people more than it hurts Trump? That's a great question. Trump is uh, somewhat untouchable in a lot of spaces. Um, it's it's very sad. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, you know, maybe our, our culture and our politics will get to a point within the next few years that there will be repercussions for his actions. I, I suppose we'll see. We've certainly been running a lot of um, pretty juicy stories at Alternate about Stormy Daniels, the uh, mm-hmm. porn star who um, has alleged, um, has made allegations against Trump and 
claim that they had sex. So um, to, to, I don't know. To be, clear, to, be clear, to be clear, has that woman said that she had sex with Trump or somebody said that uh, on her behalf? I haven't been covering the story precisely, but there was definitely a cover up um, accused uh, uh, that this porn star Stormy Daniels made allegations that Trump tried to quiet her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would read the full story for that, the full report there. But, you know, it does in some way distract from the larger, really much more fundamental and widespread issue of sexual assault that mm-hmm. goes way, way beyond Donald Trump and way beyond the White House. And I'm really glad that people are having these conversations now, you know, in all levels of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you said the issue of sexual assault, and that's obviously very important. That's something that's very hot at the moment. But there does seem to be a degree to which, for good or ill, the culture is moving against actions that would fall a long way short of counting a sexual assault. Um, is that a good or a bad thing? Um, can you give an example? Well, for example, the uh, the allegations against um, Aziz Ansari, um, mm-hmm. th- there's no suggestion, e- even in the anonymous complaint uh, from one woman that was made against him, there's no suggestion of anything that would even approach a criminal allegation. But he has suffered mm-hmm. quite a lot of criticism for behavior that this uh, woman who wrote anonymously are alleged against him. Now, of course, sure. I say wrote, wrote anonymously. That's understandable in the, in the context. But I'm comparing Aziz Ansari to, for example, Matt mm-hmm. Lauer. Matt Lauer, formerly of the Today Show, it would appear, is it alleged at least, had installed in his office a button in his desk which would remotely lock the door of his office and prevent someone, presumably a woman, leaving when they wanted yeah. to. Now, like a Bond villain. It, it really seems like that. Yeah. And there's no question that that's a very clear a criminal offence to do that to somebody in any jurisdiction. False imprisonment is a serious crime in almost any jurisdiction. There's no suggestion that Aziz Ansari did anything at all, even approaching a criminal offence. If you read the, the the story as was written, it sounds clearly in any one situation, if there are two people there, there will be two sides to the story. But even reading the, the woman's piece, it doesn't seem an awful lot worse than a bad date. Sure. So I, um, there are like two ways to approach that really good question. Um, first off, I, I do disagree um, with the line of thinking that Aziz Ansari did nothing wrong specifically that would hold up in court if we were to take it that far. I don't believe it's going to end up um, being debated in, in the courtroom sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely seem to drop right away to that bottom line, which is interesting about us as a culture. Um, which bottom line? I, if you, uh, just that, you know, it wouldn't hold up in court or mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. allegations will lead to charges and sentences and um, that it's a witch hunt because uh, these uh, accusees could end up being punished, you know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I feel like we're we're focusing a lot on the, the, the punishment side of this when really there's a much more interesting conversation to be had about consent when you just look at what happened and um, how it went down. I mean... In the Babe article, um, the the woman who went on the date with Aziz Ansari, Grace, mm-hmm. at several points says she made cues, both verbal and nonverbal, that she was uncomfortable mm-hmm. with what was going on, how their um, sexual encounter was progressing. Mm-hmm. She did at one point say, I don't want to do this anymore, something along those lines, or I wouldn't want to regret this, something that was very clearly in her own words, 
a no. Mm-hmm. Um, yet he persisted to put his fingers inside her mouth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, outside of a sexual space, if you were talking with a, a person on the street and tried to touch them and they said no, and then you put their, your fingers in their mouth, I mean, it's so clearly, um, you know, some gray area of, of unwanted contact. Whether you call that a sexual assault or not, I feel like kind of misses the point um, that mm-hmm. the writer was trying to make and was trying to get us all talking about, which is that these things shouldn't be happening. Sure. and But one can agree with that, Liz. One can agree that that, that was probably bad behavior, presuming that, that, and we don't have any reason to, to doubt this woman's account. And there's no question that that's bad behavior. And I can see what you mean that it might not be at the same level as what Donald Trump has claimed to do or what uh, Matt Lauer uh, would appear to have done, although he hasn't right. been charged with anything yet. But isn't there a danger that if we say everything, no matter how, and I don't want to use the word trivial in, in, in a dismissive sense, but every bad act, no matter how small, is as bad as the worst. Isn't there a danger then that we're saying every rape is as trivial as a bad date? Yeah, I don't think anyone is saying that. I haven't read any feminist arguments, um, anyone writing about um, sex and consent issues who has made that argument. I mean, it's a very pragmatic line of thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, people shouldn't be hurt. People shouldn't have to do things that make them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, When you take that pragmatic line, no one's going to say that what Aziz Ansari did was exactly what Harvey Weinstein did or what Matt Lauer did. Mm -hmm. There are obviously shades of gray here. But um, it makes me wonder, you know, if the Aziz Ansari article had come out uh, a year ago or so or two years ago outside of the scope of Me Too, I wonder if we would have been having the same conversation. I wonder if it's only compared to these clear villains, these clearly evil, diabolical sexual predators Mm -hmm. um, that Aziz Ansari seems to get off you know, scot free. And I don't know if that's if that's really how we should be viewing this. I feel like we should be more objective in looking at each case and figuring out what went wrong here and how can we prevent other people from being in these situations because, you know, people got hurt. Yeah. Uh, if we were to maybe just broaden it out a bit, Liz, if you were to say, here's something that can change in society mm-hmm. that will make this type of thing happen less or happen less often, what would be the first thing you'd go after? Well, I mean, a lot of, I would say men and women, and maybe this is a controversial point of view, but I I feel very strongly that men and women are both real victims of rape culture. We have both been taught from very, very early age that it's, um, you know, it's a good thing if a boy pulls your hair and touches you in the playground because that means he has a crush on you, mm-hmm. um, which kind of, you know, opens the, um, the space of consent for women to blur those lines between what she wants and what she doesn't want and ties it to romance, which is so creepy to me. Um, you know, boys are taught, boys are so, so oppressed by masculinity. Um, I much better writers than I have written books about the subject. Um, And you can turn to Jessica Valenti of The Guardian, who writes about this topic frequently. But Mm -hmm. um, I think once men and women and um, gender nonconforming people, of course, accept and and see how gender roles and how patriarchy and, and the pursuit of sex really oppresses us, we can move to this better point where um, it's not something that we see as so filled with shame, something we have to do secretively, something that men seek out 
um, in a kind of no means yes light. Um, that myth that when she says no, she really means yes, is a myth that's propagated by pornography and rape culture. It's something mm-hmm. that men are taught to believe is true from movies and from other dudes in the locker room and toxic bro culture at universities. And mm-hmm. all of these pieces are very interconnected. And until I think we dismantle these and start talking honestly about how they impact women, of course, but how they really harm men as well. I think that's only when we can really get to a different place, a place of progress and, and real communication when it comes to sex. It's obviously a, a aspiration. It might not be as practical yes. as, as <laughs> I, I asked for, uh, but that may, may be an impossible demand. I want to go back to two of the, the phrases um, that you mentioned there. One of them uh, being the, the no means yes. And that's clearly a very emotive issue. Is it possible also that it is more complex than it's sometimes made out, especially since, and um, often these uh, problems, not when they hit the media, but when they hit real life are involving teenagers or, you know, young adults who are still finding themselves to a degree. Is it possible that people, including women, but everybody really, have often ambiguous feelings towards exactly what they want to do? and sometimes are seeking to be persuaded. And sometimes women who perhaps grew up in a culture that doesn't approve of um, overt female sexuality don't want to put that on display or they want to, Mm. for example, make a display of having to be persuaded. And um, also sometimes people have sexual encounters that at the time they consent to and later regret and have mixed feelings about and view themselves not as having fully consented. Totally. I mean, all of those things happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that we even have the means of measuring how often those things happen as opposed to any other kind of sexual dynamic. Um, I know that there are studies, I wrote a piece a, a few months ago about consent and the consideration of at what point consent can be withdrawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you would probably imagine, women um, in greater numbers and a greater percentage believe consent can be withdrawn at any point. Uh, hold but on, for, hold you, on, um, no, no, pause on that for a second. Sure. After the fact. So after the fact, I'm looking at this chart right now. Um, this is from a, a survey of over 1,000 Americans um, done by Study Soup earlier in the fall. We'll put the graphic um, up on the, on the page for this uh, for this podcast, but tell us in any case what you're seeing. Sure. After sex, um, it's reported that 16% of men think consent can be withdrawn and 22% of women. Mm-hmm. So that is a very low number. Oh, it doesn't um, sound like a low number to me. It doesn't. Interesting. First of all, it doesn't conform with you know what either the law or the dictionary yes, uh, um, defines as rape. That's true, but um, William, a lot of our laws are very antiquated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there are still laws in certain states that um, Mississippi, for example, uh, just to speak of American laws, um, that prevents people from buying um, a vibrator. Yes, I know, but I, I don't want to. No, no, I, I don't mean, want to. I, you're, you're true, and there are some ridiculous laws, mm-hmm. but but uh, most of our laws are based in reason. And this, is, I don't want to get away from this point. If you were to go out tonight or whatever and meet someone and have sex with them, mm-hmm. and phone them up tomorrow morning and say, "By the way, yeah, last night I agreed to have sex with you, but today I'm withdrawing consent. Uh, so can I have your name and address so I can send the police to go and arrest you for rape?" You can <laughs> see how that's not a sustain. That 
that's not sustainable in the in the criminal system and equally it is not sustainable to equate that with someone who has genuinely been raped. Mm-hmm. It gets very murky. I agree with no, you. I don't think. And- no, no, hold on for don't don't reinterpret my words. I don't think that's murky. I don't think that's. I think that's very clear. I think it's clearly wrong. I understand why you'd feel that way. I just think that if you look at if you listen to a lot of these stories of women who have had those kinds of experience, you know, women who were on a date with a man and were just plowed down with liquor until they agreed to go home with them because of XYZ reason. I mean, it ends up really coming down to circumstances. And yeah. I mean, I, I can't really say say too much to that point of what would stand up in a court of law or what shouldn't. I'm, I'm not um, a legal theorist or mm-hmm. a judge or an attorney, but all I can say is that these stories are extremely common. We're seeing that as a result of this wave of Me Too, of women who have you know, been pressured, however you want to define that, into doing things they didn't want to do sexually and for, you know, some end goal. Um, It's such a widespread issue. I know I've talked to so many girlfriends who have been through such similar experiences as the babe, um, uh, the babe interviewee who Mm -hmm. went on the date with Aziz Ansari. This happens all the time. I mean, I understand. I agree with you on that point. It absolutely happens all the time. Whether you want to define it as a bad date or ending up going home with someone who turns out to be quite an unpleasant bully, that happens mm-hmm. all the time. I agree with you on that. But my point on that is to suggest to you, isn't it important that we draw a very clear, hard line between that and rape, which is very, very clearly a different thing. Now, you can say that, for example, and uh, Harvey Weinstein is perhaps um, the uh, poster boy, might be the wrong word for this, but Harvey Weinstein is, is the person who, who is perhaps involved in kicking this off. It is alleged that in some cases he raped women. That's clearly a criminal uh, offence. It's also alleged that he pressured women into having sex with him in order to get parts. Right. That might be grossly unethical. It might make him, a, you know, a really nasty person. I think it does. But isn't it important that we as a society recognize the distinction between those two? I, I absolutely agree with you. And I don't think, I think we're we're talking on different levels here. And I think a lot of people want to return, like I said at the beginning of our, of our conversation, to this um, court of law view, you know, mm-hmm. and like, that is not, for better or worse, where a lot of our ethical um social conversations end up taking place. I mean, they're, they represent changing points in our laws and our, and our culture. But if you look back at the at decades of civil rights progress, for example, I mean, these conversations, these battles were happening way, way, way before they got to form into Supreme Court cases. Mm-hmm. So I think these are the, the eruptions, you know, um, the boiling points of maybe um, laws changing, perhaps. I, I hope so. I don't know exactly what they would look like or how you would define those nuances but mm-hmm. um well, well, I that's, think, that's, you know, that's really my question Liz for example the the uh, Harvey Weinstein alleged rape cases that, that that's very clear cut nobody could uh, rationally disagree with that but in the space of something that's somewhere between being a bad date and a bully is it appropriate that law should be the 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 remedy in that space Oh, that's that's a tough question. I, I would like it to be. Um, I don't know how it would be, honestly. Um, I don't know how you would be able to examine what happened on one specific date between two people and factor in this he said, she said 
nonsense that mm-hmm. we always spiral into. Um, mm-hmm. I think the fact that our laws are changing to give more benefit of the doubt to the victim is important. I think you see that happening um, in 2015 in California with this yes means yes law, really more definely confirming consent. There was a lot of backlash to it, I think, which was really unfounded. Um, I think that people are, are really just afraid of putting too much power back in the hands of women. This is women we're talking about. Um, mm-hmm putting back power back in the hands of women and putting credibility on their side. I think that stems from just thousands of years of mistrust of women and not um, really listening when they say that they want to be in control of their own destinies. So, I mean, you see this happening a bit in, in the court of law, if that's really where you want to see these, um, you know, these battles being waged. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that there's such a larger issue when you look at through your social media feed and you see how many women, any one of us, how many women you know have been touched weirdly or spoken to in a gross way at work or you know asked to do something that we just really didn't want to do. I mean, this just shouldn't be happening. It is just a huge, huge miscarriage of um, immorality. I, I really think so. And I mean, it goes way beyond what happens in a courtroom Okay. One other uh, phrase you used that has been uh, used contentiously previously is rape culture. Don't you think the fact that this conversation has come this far indicates that the degree to which a rape culture exists in, in Western society is really minimal? We have made tons of progress. I'll say that. I know um, I'm supposed to be interviewing a group, an organization later today that um, works in the consent space and... Um, hosting, this is, again, mind you, at very left-wing liberal American universities and universities mm-hmm. in Europe, but um, this notion of consent parties where um, it's kind of like, kind of like a, a consensual uh, sex party orgy, I would say. So yeah. um, as far as I know, people um, make consent into games and the, the organization tries to make it a consent fun and oh, sexy. Slow down, slow down, slow down a minute, Liz. Sure. Um, the, the average person working the average job will be yes, falling, yes. falling over laughing, uh, laughing at this. Totally. I understand. But um, a lot of things that are now accepted and, you know, for the quote unquote average person um, began in these kinds of left-wing spaces, people pushing the boundaries of what you know, the way people should behave and how we should treat each other. So I think there's sure, a lot but, of validity but, but, but Liz, that. Looking, looking back over, and you don't even have to go into millennia, millennia just the last mm-hmm. few centuries so in, in history, and looking in geography, looking around the world, isn't it true that in terms of respect for the opposite sex, Western culture now is more advanced than any culture anywhere ever. Um, Well, I just take issue with the word advanced because we do, in that sense, we are using advanced in a Western context. So we're saying like, you know, technology is good and um, democracy is, you know, capitalism is good, et cetera. So I think that- Well, democracy is good. Democracy is good. I meant capitalism. And not having slavery is pretty good. It is pretty good. And not having uh, um, people uh, lynched on a whim or uh, drowned because they're suspected of being a witch or whatever is pretty good. I agree. Yeah, and agree. not having not having uh, teenage girls stoned to death because they bumped into the wrong boy when they were coming home for school or just because they went to school is pretty good. Yes, of course. Uh, and you, you, so you can see how 
some people, when they hear the narrative mm-hmm. that things are so terrible, this is the worst ever, that is an, there's an enormous disconnect there between that and what people see across history and geography. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear that. That's something I think about a lot, um, especially working for a progressive news outlet, um, because we are at Alternate always trying to push the boundaries of progress, trying to open people up to what a better future could look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look, I mean, to get back specifically to, to women and gender equality in this country, women and supposedly, you know, the, the beacon of, um, equality and democracy in the world right now in the United States, women make seven, uh, 70 cents to a man's dollar for oh, no. African-American oh, no. women. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold lower. on a second. Sure. Um, th- that's, that's a very contentious figure that doesn't take into account a whole range of factors that have nothing got to do with discrimination. I do believe they very much have to do with discrimination. I mean, I'm not saying that the average woman is discriminated against in the workplace by the average man, which results in her lower wage. I'm saying that as um, as a, an entire group, as a gender group, women are paid less. That's that's very well documented. I don't think there's anything contentious about it's that, paid that number. For, 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 first, of, first of all, because they work less. Women in full-time jobs work less hours than men in full-time jobs. There's a great um, breakdown of this specifically in different wage gaps, full-time, um, part-time, different education groups, et cetera. Yep. That they did at the Washington Post, which I'd be happy to send over you over to we, you later we'll put today. That in. I, uh, sure. Let's, uh, here, here's a promise, Liz. At some stage, we will go into detail on that, but it's probably not for this podcast because it's it's an entire probably an entire series of podcasts in itself. Mm-hmm. Let, let me give you one last question, which is just to return to one thing I asked earlier. Leaving aside the theory, leaving aside where you'd like to get to, right now, practically, what would be the best thing that could change? in Western society in terms of relations, particularly uh, sexually, between men and women? Do you mean specifically um, like a law that could be passed or, or something mm-hmm. very be, tangible like that? Be it a law, like be that? the change in society. I mean, I think, I, I think I've, as I've tried to say, that laws sort of end up coming last. I think social change fuels our laws shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, what really needs to happen right now is for... <laughs> It sounds a bit boring, but it really is the solution. It's for men and women to really talk to each other. People need to be having these conversations with each other and and they should come from a place of love and, you know, not wanting your best friend to be the next Aziz Ansari or the next Harvey Weinstein, God forbid. It's It just involves some really candid conversations about sex, about what good sex and good dates look like. I don't see anything wrong with working to this aspirational point. Um, I don't think we have anything else, uh, honestly, as a culture to drive us forward. Liz Posner, Managing Editor at Alternet, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you so much. Same here. Make your view heard. Email podcast at challengingopinions.com to set out your ideas and defend them on the next podcast. That's all for the Challenging Opinions podcast published on February 5th, 2018. I have links to Liz's articles and references to other articles that we discussed in the show notes on the website. And if you know someone else who I should interview or some other topic I should be covering, please get in touch. I'd be really interested in your feedback. And if you like the podcast, one thing you could do that would really help other people to find it is go on iTunes, give the podcast a rating and write a short review. There's a link on the website directly to the iTunes page. Also, please like the show on Facebook. On Twitter, you can follow the show at Changing O and follow Liz Posner at Elizpaws. 
And most importantly, subscribe to the show for free. You can use Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or any other podcast app or software. There's links and an RSS feed all on the website. And if you don't use a podcast app or software, you can subscribe by email. Just enter your email address on the Challenging Opinions website. And each time a new show goes up, you'll get a simple email with a link to listen and zero spam. You can find all of that or get in touch with me at www.challengingopinions.com. The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening.